Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Everybody's talking about Britney Spears, not only in Vegas, but around the world, really. She told a judge she was traumatized and angry. She can't make key decisions about her life. And we learned that she's been under a conservatorship since the year 2008. This is fascinating because she's been playing all over. She's had a residency and so forth. We got to figure it out, and to do it, we got the best person you could possibly have. His name is Attorney David Glass. He's a certified family law specialist and former clinical psychologist, best known for handling A-list celebrities, and he's appeared on a lot of uh, national shows. David, great to have you here. So, wow, what a surprise! I think do you get the idea that a lot of people don't realize how limiting a conservatorship really is. Yeah, well, first of all, Steve, thanks for having me on, but you're absolutely right. Uh, people don't understand conservatorships primarily because most conservatorships are done on elderly people who have dementia or Alzheimer's or some sort of cognitive disability, and so they're under conservatorship, they're having decisions made for them, but they can't complain about it. They don't have an audience to complain to, so people just don't hear about it. They, they may know their uncle or aunt or mother or father was under conservatorship, but those people clearly needed decisions being made for them. The, the unique situation here is, number one, she's a, a celebrity. Number two, she's very young. Uh, number three, this was due to some sort of mental illness as opposed to a, uh, a memory or cognitive impairment. And the fourth is that it's gone on for 13 years. Those are a unique set of circumstances. Well, you know, I'm really glad this is coming out because I hear people talk all the time where if they're having trouble, you know, there's a lot of mental illness out there. And you hear, oh, get a conservatorship. And I'm thinking, boy, that's a mistake. You don't realize what you're doing, not only to the person, but what you're res- going to be responsible for. Not everybody makes the kind of money that Br- Britney Spears does where you're going to give yourself a huge management fee. It's really a t- uh, really taking away someone's freedom. Uh, there's no doubt that it is. And for mental illness situations, it's relatively hard to get a conservatorship. Uh, again, a conservatorship, you have to show the court that the person who's going to be conserved can't make key decisions about their own life. They can't take care of themselves. They can't get themselves to the doctor. Even if they could get to the doctor, they didn't have the capacity to make these sort of decisions. And that's the conservator of the person. Then there's a conservator of the estate, and that person is put in place if the conservatee you know, has no idea where their money is or what they're spending it on or what the value of money is. So the bar is, is, is relatively high. You need to have a high degree of incapacity. You can't be able to take care of yourself in order to have a conservatorship put upon you. Well, this whole situation with Britney Spears really has shaken people because they look at her and, yeah, we remember that when she cut her hair and people kind of made fun of her, which was really kind of mean at that time. You know, mental illness is nothing to laugh at. But at the same time now, it really looks like uh, this is excessive. Does it look that way to you? 
Yeah, well, you know what? It's hard to tell exactly what's going on. Most uh, conservatorship proceedings, and especially those here in Los Angeles County, are typically sealed. So you don't know the reasons the person was put into conservatorship. You don't get to see the doctor's reports, and you don't know the really the level of disability. And this is one of the first times that we've heard from anyone exactly what's going on. Uh, Brittany has uh, addressed the court earlier in, I think, May 2019, but again, that was sealed. So this is really the first time anyone has heard exactly what's going on. And so it comes down to what evidence is there out there? What, what is the, who, who is the last doctor or psychologist or psychiatrist who has uh, examined Brittany? And what do they say uh, her lack of competency is based on? It's, it's hard to imagine that someone with any kind of mental illness, once they get therapy, once they're receiving medication, can't quickly resume capacity and get back to managing their own lives. Yeah, one of the things I understand with this too is she has to take a court-appointed attorney that she can't go out and hire a dream team even though she makes lots of money. Right, and that's, that's the unique thing about conservatorship. So if the court is going to find that you lack the capacity to make everyday decisions, then it can't leave you with the decision of who your attorney is going to be. So the court always appoints an attorney. In this case, in Los Angeles County, there really isn't a better probate or conservatorship attorney than Samuel Ingham, who was appointed. And the court, I think, did that on purpose. They didn't want to take any chances uh, with a second or, or, or third-rate attorney representing a uh, celebrity. Well, you know, as we look at this whole thing, I think just to the uh, casual observer, it seems so extreme, like you say. Somehow there needs to be something in between, isn't there? And yet it seems like it's either all the way like this or you don't have it. Yeah, and there, there is no in-between. The law only provides this maximum sort of restriction or nothing at all. I think the truth is that most celebrities or performers or athletes have a team around them, and, and so they have a business manager who is – who's paying bills and watching money go in and out, and they have an investment advisor who's advising them maybe on their budget or how they should invest their money, uh, and maybe they even have a personal manager who's taking care of day-to-day -day, uh, issues or, or perhaps an assistant. And so people uh, of this sort of celebrity or wealth or stature have teams around them that they handpick that help them manage their lives that are, uh, that are a little bit like this conservatorship situation, the difference is, is the person chooses their own team uh, and can fire their own team if they're unhappy with them. You know, this seems like it's another example of uh, children's stars. And, you know, she grew up early in this end. And I think of the issues with her sister and so forth. It just seems like that family has a lot of issues. And it's got to be difficult to come up with somebody that can really sit there and objectively look at this and kind of ignore all that stuff to do the best thing for everyone concerned. Yeah, you know, you, you do see this a lot with child stars, and, um, uh, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it seems like it's a combination of the fact that their schooling is done at the studio or at the, uh, at the recording location, and they have a tutor. They don't actually go to school, and they don't socialize, and, and obviously they don't have the full range of classes that they're taking, so there's something missing in their education. Most of them don't have that opportunity to go on to college. And you can argue whether college is really necessary these days unless you're going to be an attorney or a doctor. But yeah. if nothing else, that college experience allows people to mature and, learns how to and learn how to take care of themselves. 
where she in her early teens was thrust upon the stage, made a lot of money, and by age 26 was starting to have difficulty. Boy, parents really have a lot of power, though. I mean, I think of something in the world of sports. Todd Marinovich, his dad really managed him from the moment he was really conceived. <laughs> you know, you couldn't, he couldn't let him touch uh, processed sugar and so forth, couldn't do anything. Well, when he finally got to college, like you're talking about, he went berserk because he never had any of these things and so forth. And it just, it, these things are really difficult, right? And then you look back and go, well, what should we do? And this is where... Uh, the the court there's really a lot of pressure on the court to try to get a, a really a, a just uh, solution. There is there is there's an absolute there's a ton of pressure on the court right now, and uh, and if you listened I listened into the hearing, the court basically said, you know if you guys need to move this along and if Brittany you want to work with your attorney to try and terminate this conservatorship, uh, I'll get this on calendar as soon as possible. Now that's completely uncharacteristic for probate court here in L.A where if you need a hearing, it could take six to seven months to get your hearing. You get to that hearing, and oftentimes it's continued because the court is too busy. So it can take two to three years to get through one of these processes ordinarily. Here the court is saying, you attorneys meet amongst yourselves, figure out your next available date, and I'll make the time on my calendar. So, it's, uh, so the court is bending over backwards to make sure that this case gets attention now. Uh, although maybe it hasn't gotten the attention it, it deserved over the last 13 years. We're going to look at possibilities in this case, but before we get there, I just want to ask you, David, as people hear this, they're probably getting the idea, wow, conservatorship is way more than I thought it was. What do you recommend to people when they start considering that? Because you got to think pretty long and hard about this before you do this to somebody. Uh, you do. And, uh, and, and again, the most often uh, situation where it comes up is you have a parent or an aunt or an uncle who's elderly. They're in their 80s or 90s, and they've lost their, their memory or they've lost their ability to make simple decisions for themselves, or they're starting to become a danger to themselves because they're having memory problems and they, they go out and they have, a, they have a problem coming home. And if these people won't cooperate with their potential caregivers, their children or nieces or nephews, then you have no choice but to go to court and say, I need to be put in charge of this person's life. Um, but, but again, before you make that decision, number one, you've got to make sure that there's no return for the person who's going to be conserved, that there's no way that you can possibly bolster them with an assistant or with a, a visiting nurse or with financial advice. And then number two, you need to make sure that you are the right person to dedicate this much time. Yeah. Because as you mentioned up at the top of the show, Unless this person has tons of money, the court is not going to award you any sort of uh, um, amount of money on a monthly basis to do this conservatorship. The court's going to say, thank you for stepping forward, and thank you for volunteering. Now go take care of this person, and it can become a full-time job taking care of another person. Well, that's why I was so excited to get you on the show, because I really think people have to understand, and I think it's one of those things of the law that people really don't get unless you're right there in the middle of it because it's just something a lot of people don't talk about it's it's sort of like mental illness itself nobody wants to address it but you you got to know like you say there's use for it and there's also times when maybe you find another way right and the um honestly the amount of time it takes uh, in all the in a lot of these cases where there isn't a family member who lives nearby or who can step in and the person who's having difficulty does have a sizable estate there are paid fiduciaries who do this for a living, 
and the and the number is somewhere around two hundred thousand dollars per person in order to to oversee their lives, and so that's a significant amount of money to pay. It's a significant amount uh, amount of responsibility to take on, and and you're you're absolutely right that people don't understand this whole conservatorship process, and and haven't most people don't have the experience with it, so they're hearing about it in the news. They can't believe that she can't make the decision that Brittany can't make the decision to get married or to have children or how she spends her money. Uh, and that's why it's so shocking, because it seems like it's out of nowhere. Yeah, well, and the fact that she can do a residency, it was one of the more popular ones in Vegas. Uh, her show is considered, people love it. I mean, people that don't even like her music that much loved her show. So you see that, and it's, it's all well done. And, of course, you have choreographers and so forth. But still, there's a lot of responsibility there. And I think... To the, to the untrained eye, you look at that and go, well, if you can do that, why can't you do things like, why, why don't you have a responsibility for your own love life and if you want to have a family and so forth? You're absolutely right there. And it's, uh, you, people imagine she's, she has to wake up, she has to keep herself in shape, she has to get there on time, perform, remember the lyrics. All that there is in performing, there's, there's a lot of responsibility there. Uh, a long time ago, maybe 17 years ago, I represented a boxer uh, in his divorce. And I had to, the, the first time we were supposed to be at a hearing, he just didn't show up. He forgot about it and, and didn't manage to make it there. So every time we had to go to a hearing, I had to go to his house several hours early, remind him where we were going, make sure he was dressed appropriately. And I had to physically carry, you know, drive him and walk him into the courthouse to make sure he showed up there. Now, he didn't have a conservatorship. This is just how he lived his life. There were people who always stepped in and made sure things happened. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I have people, friends, that aren't in that bad of cognitive shape, but at the same time, they just forget their doctor's appointments, for example. They just forget them. They're not, they're not doing it on purpose or anything. And that's what's kind of weird about this. And I guess it takes someone like yourself to kind of look at these things. It's it's not a cut and dry thing. You fall in there, you don't, and so forth. I, I guess it, it's just got to be you got to look at the totality of it and decide – do we want to do – this seems like the, the final blow. Yeah, and, and, and with Brittany's case, so 13 years ago, there had to have been doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists who examined her and found that at that point in time, she absolutely didn't have the capacity to, to handle her own personal decisions, her own health decisions, or handle her money. And maybe looking back at all those news clips, um, uh, maybe that was more apparent then. Uh, and so on this end, she's just going to need to get uh, a doctor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a neuropsychologist to come in, run testing, and say, listen, she, you know, you might not agree with whatever decision she's going to make, but she has the capacity to make these decisions. And, and that's where she's running into a, a little bit of a roadblock right now. She said to the judge in her personal statement she wants this conservatorship to end, but she doesn't want to go through an evaluation. Uh, and, and that's just something uh, I'm concerned about for her and for the court. It, it puts the court in a hard position that it has to make the decision, is this person still mentally ill, without having an expert come forward and say, while she once maybe had a mental illness and had these troubles, right now she isn't. Uh, and so yeah. I just think the court is going to insist on her having some sort of evaluation before it lists the conservatorship. Well, if you were advising her, wouldn't you uh, recommend that? I mean, it, it just like you say, it, it just seems like at this point you're going to have to do that. And maybe, maybe you uh, try to work with somebody who uh, 
thinks they can help you if if you still have issues. I mean, we don't know. We don't know anything about this. This came as kind of a surprise. Right. And that's, you know, I tell my clients who have to go through evaluations, either for a, a divorce issue where they're arguing about custody or for conservatorship, I say to them, if the court tells you to march around the room backwards and burn a slipper, then you do it. You do whatever the court tells you to do to make sure that you're giving the court the information you need. But, but again, more seriously, uh, I, if, if I were representing her, I would tell her, listen, you need to do this evaluation. You, you feel you've gotten better. Um, uh, you feel that you now have the ability to make these decisions, and you don't want these decisions made for you anymore. I understand that completely. But here's what you need to do, A, B, C, and D. And until you do that, the court's not going to listen to you. So let me help you get these things done. Well, I know you deal with A-list celebrities. You mentioned a boxer and so forth. Does their public persona get in the way sometimes, too? Because people kind of have their minds made up on a lot of on a lot of people. You don't have a boxer. If they think, oh, he's taking too many punches, you know, you're going in there with a negative thought as you start the process. Does that come into play? Uh, it, it does, although the, the courts are very careful to try and take each case on a case-by-case basis and not prejudge people based on, on the publicity or how many fights they were in or whether they performed during the 70s when drugs were more rampant in the, in the performing arts or, or whatever the, the person's history is. That being said, it's hard not to, to know about people from the news, from the media, and, uh, and our all-day, 24-hour uh, obsession with things about celebrities. So, so you're right. It, it is a knock against these people, but these people typically have the funds to hire a good legal team to hire the experts they need and then to put together the package to neatly put it on the court's desk and say, we've got everything here, Judge. There's, there's absolutely no reason for you to keep this conservatorship in place or, or keep whatever restrictions the court has put in place. And, by the way, uh, if you don't do this in a, in a, in a fast fashion, uh, we may have to have people start showing up outside the courthouse with signs and chanting, free this person, free that right. person. And that's the, that's the kind of publicity the court just does not like. Yeah, I was going to ask because there is some of that now. People are out there. That's become a, a thing on social media. Does that help her? You know what? I'm not so sure it does help her. Uh, because I, again, I've uh, I listened to the hearing, and to tell you the truth, um, the way Brittany presented her her rapid pressured speech. Uh, she had something called flight of ideas where she hopped around from one idea to another and then came back. Um, her, her speech wasn't that organized when you heard it live. On paper, it looked a little bit better. Mm. Um, but but she, she's having some problems. And then the people out on the street obviously didn't get to hear that. And then they're just saying, you know, this, this person's being held against their will. I don't think the people out on the street really help other than, it brings in a bunch of media, and then there are newspaper articles and radio interviews and TV interviews, and it keeps the spotlight on the case. So it's, it's a help and hurt thing uh, at the same time. Well, final question then. If, if you're working with a celebrity and so forth and you kind of see – because you can get a feel for it. I mean we, we certainly did with Britney Spears. And you can see where things seem like they're spinning out of control. Well, we saw that with Lindsay Lohan. Not the same situation, but that kind of thing. Do you try to go in there and, and mitigate things right away? Like, okay, you got to stop this, or here's what you might be looking at. Absolutely, and, and anyone who's ever worked with anyone of prominence, whether it's in athletics or performing um, uh, or just plain old wealthy people, you're going to try and give them your best advice. 
um, I, I've routinely brought in uh, press people, PR people who deal with crises, trying to get people out of crises, having them look better in the press, given whatever they may have said or done. Uh, and you can always put together uh, an amazing team to try and help you, but it all boils down to does the person want to be helped and do they want to take someone else's ad ad advice. So you can, you can talk until you're blue in the face if the person that you're representing says, I'm not doing any of that, I'm doing it my way, uh, then, then unfortunately it's going to be very hard to get the case through because obviously their own way hasn't worked, has gotten them in trouble, and if they keep going with their own way, things aren't going to turn around. Yeah, ultimately it is your responsibility. David, this is a great conversation. If people want to get a hold of you or just see what you're doing online, where can they go? Sure, if they go to glassfamilylaw.com, They'll go right to my, uh, my firm's website, has my bio, has updated uh, media appearances, those sorts of things. Uh, certainly worth a look. And uh, if we need the help, uh, let me say David's one of the best. Hey, David, thank you so much. Really great talking with you. It was great talking with you, too. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Come on, let's go to Vegas. Support Vegas Never Sleeps on Patreon for exclusive ad-free content, prizes, drawings, and fun, starting at just five bucks. Go to patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Pack your bags and get ready because you're going to Vegas. Go to patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Come on, let's go to Vegas. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com.